Good afternoon and welcome to Ask Me Anything About Employment with Fabrizio. Uh, my name is David Blair and I'll be your moderator today. Uh, this webinar is not a presentation, but an interactive question and answer period. For the next hour, Lou will take any questions you have related to disclosure and accommodation. Uh, sorry, Fabrizio will. Uh, Fabrizio is a professor in the Department of Disability and Human Development at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Dr. Balcazar has conducted research uh, over the past 30 years on developing methods for enhancing and facilitating empowerment and personal effectiveness among individuals with disabilities. He has directed several federally funded projects, one to promote entrepreneurship and economic self-sufficiency among individuals with disabilities, and a collaboration with the Illinois Division of Rehabilitation Services to help consumers start their own business, among many others. Dr. Balcazar is the director of the Center on Capacity Building for Minorities mm -hmm. with Disabilities Research at UIC. Today's event is jointly funded by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research, and the Center for Mental Health Services within the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration. The content of this webinar does not represent policies of these funding agencies, and you should not assume endorsement by the federal government. During registration for the event, you were given the opportunity to submit a question in advance. Over the course of this webinar, we'll alternate between questions submitted in advance and the ones you have for us today. Uh, you may any you may ask questions now by typing them into the chat box or letting me know uh, you would like to ask it by phone. Uh, welcome to the webinar, and I hope you enjoy the next hour. Uh, Fabrizio has included a couple of references and a PDF uh, model and article for you to download that I've also linked uh, to the chat room for you. Uh, and I know, Fabrizio, uh, you would like to set the stage for us, so please share your thoughts. All right, David. It was a pleasure for me to host this webinar and start a conversation with you all about people with disabilities are missing this opportunity, and they are pursuing just regular employment, often, you know, with poor results. And this is something that I found through my experience over the last few years that is underutilized by people with disabilities, and there are a lot of resources and opportunities that people with disabilities could pursue and often don't. And there are some reasons about that that I hope that we will be able to discuss as we have this conversation. Uh, I just want to call attention to the resources that uh, David mentioned. Uh, one is the article uh, that is cited there from the Journal of Global Entrepreneurship Research, Social Entrepreneurship, the need, relevant facets and constraints. And there are a lot of information here about the concept of social entrepreneurship, which I am particularly very interested on. Uh, there is also the book uh, by author Mohamed Janus from 2011 that for me was an inspiration about building social businesses and how many opportunities people like yourself have just by looking around in the community and seeing opportunities for problems and needs that could be solved with a business idea. So this is a different way of thinking, and I want you to uh, ask questions about that because it's a little new for some people. But the premise is the world is full of needs. Think about your own. Think about the people that live with you. Think about the people that you know and think about what 
do they need? And are those needs being met? And if not, how could a small business that you could run, that you could start, help start addressing some of those needs? So I want you to think about that. The concept of a small businesses is not just, you know, developing a franchise of McDonald's, <laughs> although a lot of people do that. It takes a lot of money. Whereas these initiatives through social businesses might take just a few hundred bucks to start, and they can get you going. So I'm going to open the, uh, the process up for your questions, and let's start the conversation. I think that was a great introduction, Fabrizio. So we'll start uh, with a question from an employment specialist by the name of Ashley, and she asks, how do you suggest assisting individuals with self-employment and the self-imposed barriers created by a fear of failure? The fear of failure is not, and it's not unique to people with disabilities. Everybody has. Um, so you have to accept that that is part of the deal. We all have fear, and we all fear to fail. And the reality is that in the process of starting businesses, failure is part of it. How many times? Well, it depends how persistent you are, and I hope that you are persistent, because sometimes you fail a couple of times until you make it. But being persistent is the important thing. Don't think about the negative so much. You have to be positive. You have to keep going, not thinking that you are going to fail, but thinking the opposite, that you are going to positive think is very helpful. Now, of course, failure can be overcome by being prepared. So part of the process of engaging in this whole aspect of entrepreneurship is doing the work, getting all the steps, doing the preparation, taking the time to develop the business plan, you know, consult with people, get mentors, etc. And that is going to minimize your risk of failure. An interesting approach. So really the, the attitude one to you know, getting through the, the, the hardship. Um, Rhonda, uh, who's a family facilitator, she asks, I'm wondering if there are any templates or tools that outline the steps to beginning a business that I uh, that would include utilizing social media and having a presence on the web. Yes, the whole area of social media is becoming very, very critical uh, because there are multiple opportunities there uh, for people to start different kinds of uh, entrepreneurship idea. Um, the whole process requires developing a business plan. I have cited a book that I have used before. It's called Business Plan in a Day by Rhonda Abrams. Get it done it right, get it done fast. And basically this book has all of the elements that you need to develop the business plan. Now, there are multiple, multiple sources to develop business plans. Uh, this is just one that I find very helpful because it has the cri critical elements, the description of the company, the name, the location, the history, the, 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 the product, the services, uh, the kind of industry or focus in your case could be you know, social media, uh, the funding source, the market uh, analysis, the competition, uh, the sales plan, and the operations. All those details are explained in the book, and you can find all the steps, and basically the book has, like, fill out this section, and, you know, it's, it's a step-by-step, step, and, and there are the questions, and you just answer those questions. Now, I also suggest uh, going into the website of the Small Business and the Small Business Administration has business guides, funding programs, explanation about the loans that they provide, and so forth. Now, in general, 
And you can find that at www.sba.gov. And this site has a lot of information about the planning your business, launching, launching your business, managing your businesses, growing your business, etc. The only problem with this is that they often don't think, uh, although they say it's small, it's not as small as we think. You know, they are talking 50,000, 100,000. For them, that's small. For me, that's big. Uh, so you have to consider that. But they do provide support, technical assistance, and consultation. And they are very available and accessible uh, in every state. So you just have to find out where there is the nearest location for you to go and talk to them. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of things. First, that business plan in a day book looks like it's just under $16. So kind of going off of that, uh, the question, uh, Julie asks, when starting a private practice, what are the three most important steps to take? And, and she, it says she's a mental health clinician. But, but I mean, I think just in general, what are the three most important steps one takes when starting? For private practice, um, well, you have to have, of course, um, your certification and, you know, all this. Right now, there is a growing push for electronic what this means, you don't need to spend on rent, you don't need to have an office, you just need to have a way to connect with people through the internet. And that is becoming a major source for a lot of people to promote their practice in psychotherapy and counseling. So I will encourage you to think about that. The APA in the last monitor, American Psychological Association, I was looking at it uh, the other day, and they have uh, an article about this, a whole series of reflections, because this is really taking off. And um, as a way of starting private practice, you know, this electronic uh, mechanism uh, requires much less investment. Now, of course, that's the house process. The other element that becomes critical is how do you get yourself known to people? And this is a really important part. You have to network and the networking becomes very important. Who do you know who can make referrals? What can you offer that could make you competitive? What are the needs for the market that you are going to try to target? For instance, if you do it electronically, in rural areas, there is a deficit of providers. There are not there. They are all, we are all in big cities. So the problem becomes, you know, how could you find and make yourself available and let people know who are located in rural areas that you could do this therapy for them over the internet and become accessible and do this counseling through through the web. So these are some of the things that you need to consider. Um, the other is uh, probably um, that the people that receive your services, if you are good, they are going to give I have a good friend who has sustained his practice for many, many years, and all it takes for him is to do a good job because his clients are the ones who are sending people and talking to people and say, oh, talk to my therapist. He's great. Here is his number, and it's just a way where things just uh, keep. I'm <clears throat> in um, question here, and this one's from Sandra. And uh, Sandra, she's asking, how could I get help qualifying for women-owned business status? And are there any special small business assistant programs for people with mental illness? Great question. Um, I will check. Uh, your, there are state policies and guidelines 
depending on your location, about this. You need to register with your state as a woman on behalf. There is paperwork, of course, that you need to fill out, and you need to identify what is your niche, what is your market, what is the type of service um, that you can provide as a woman-owned business, as a woman owner. Um, so this is a process. Uh, you just have to go to the, your Department of Labor in your particular state and find out what are the forms. And probably there are going to be some fees that you need to register your business in your state. Uh, in addition, I will say checking with your small business administration, of, they will be uh, also able to guide you in terms of the process in your own state to get registered and to follow the procedure, get you know the paperwork and, and complete that because obviously this is something that they probably do on a regular basis, getting minority individuals, women, and so forth registered with their own respect. And I'll ask uh, from Stan, who's an occupational therapist, and he's asked, what are your thoughts about inmates with mental illness preparing for release and acquiring a journeyman's card? Uh, is this useful for employment on the outside? And I guess, you know, as a journeyman, you could work as a self-employed contractor. Uh, also, is there any uh, compiled list of businesses that are employment-friendly for persons diagnosed with mental illness? The whole area of inmates is extremely complicated because, unfortunately, uh, most states have very punitive policies uh, and the whole process of, of records, the legal record, and so forth to apply for, for regular employment positions. So the idea of starting uh, their own business is great because then they don't have to deal with that. I know that there are some models um, out there, and some of these journeymen or occupations require very little investment. Uh, for the one part is just getting the tools, uh, and this could be just a matter of several hundred dollars to get the tools um, that the person might need to do these kinds of things. And then the whole other process will be the market. Uh, but in any case, this will require a business plan to identify the niches, to identify the resources, to identify the particular uh, market uh, where the person is going to be located, then it's in that community and so forth. But as an alternative to the stigma and the challenges that inmates face once they are released to get into regular employment, yes, so self-employment is a great option. Um, what was the last aspect of the question, David? Uh, the last aspect was, is there a compiled list of businesses that uh, or employers that are friendly to persons with uh, mental illness or mental health conditions. And that, and that is like a generic. That's moving away from the inmate question, correct? Correct. Uh, I am not aware of that list. Have you ever heard about that list, David? You guys that are working in this yeah, in, thing? I know based, on what, of based, based on what I know, I don't know of any sort of list like that. I think the, no. the thing to do would go to your, to be to go to your local provider and their employment uh, support program. And, and ask their employment specialists, you know, can you help refer to me to employers you know that are understanding of this? Because they've built relations with these Correct. people and might be able to point you in the right direction. Correct. That, that, now, David that, is mentioning the employment provider. I imagine you are referring to vocational rehabilitation services, correct? 
Correct. Okay, now, this is very important because a lot of people with disabilities do not use the services of the agency that was created to help people with disabilities get jobs. Go figure, David. I don't understand, but it's a reality. A lot of people with disabilities don't use these services. Every state has offices across the whole state of vocational rehabilitation services, and their job is to help you as a consumer, regardless of your disability, find a job. In some cases, they also will pay for your training, go to your university, vocational school, whatever it is, and sometimes they also have money to start your own business. Yes, they have money, startup capital, to help people with disabilities start their own business. So it's very important that you approach the vocational rehabilitation agency in your state, get help. And yes, they have several vendors and employers and and businesses that are open and friendly to people with different types of disabilities. With regards to mental health, you have to understand as a consumer that you have the right not to disclose, according to the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. So, you know, there are different things uh, that the person needs to examine very carefully. And sometimes it's helpful to have a conversation with the vocational rehabilitation counselor about this, because they can, can give you a specific advice about uh, the degree of disclosure that you need to make uh, when you approach a regular employer for a job. Now, talking about self-employment, one of the things that the VR counselor is going to ask you is to develop a business plan. So the business plan is always a mandatory requirement, whether you are applying the Small Business Administration, whether you are going to a regular bank for a loan, whether you are going to vocational rehabilitation services, uh, the business plan is a critical element uh, of the process. Now, in some cases, you might be asking for a couple thousand bucks uh, just to get the basic equipment to get the operation going. So um, it all depends. Uh, uh, we have a, here in Chicago, we have a couple of restaurants that the VR funded to two individuals with disabilities that qualified, and their investment was more than $50,000 each. So VR, you know, can go deep or they can go light. It all depends on how good your program is, your experience, your potential for. You know, uh, uh, just winding back for a second uh, to the question that someone might that, uh, that. There we go. Uh, the question that someone had about uh, forensics, uh, you know, criminal backgrounds. There is a job board out there, and I'll link it in the chat room called 70millionjobs.com. And they are specifically uh, listing jobs for employers who are understanding of those with a criminal background, mm -hmm. and so and that's a national thing that that might help. Um, with that, that with that said, uh, Karen in the room right now just asks, are there any ideas for a business that leverages many years of therapy and experience managing depression, but not having any counseling degree? All right. No, that's tricky. But uh, if what you want to do is therapy, that's tricky because it does require certain, you know, credentials in order to qualify for reimbursement. But therapy is not the only thing that someone can do. For instance, I was thinking about um, different activities that people might be willing to pay for, um, that could be helpful for them to deal with with their situation. For instance, uh, yoga, uh, relaxation, uh, certain types of exercise programs that combine um, 
being present, uh, etc. So there are there is a whole market there, I think, uh, that allow people to engage individuals who are interested in dealing with their well-being. And sometimes think about the group situation. Mm. For instance, I have a friend that uh, that does yoga lessons for her friend. She charges $8 per session, per person, but she usually has at least three, four, five people. So do the math. 40 bucks an hour? That's not too bad. Now, of course, the problem is that she doesn't have people, you know, every hour. So she's not making the $40 every hour. But it's a way of thinking about, you know, finding niches with the skills that people have uh, in order to start something that could become viable. Your question is a challenge, and you need to be creative in terms of how to focus the services that you can provide without making it necessary a therapy, okay, that will qualify for and that will require certain credentials and certifications. And those. So it's a little tricky, but I think if you think about the options, and the way you name the services that you can provide and how you identify and market those services, there could be options. So you just need to be... Um, Elise wrote, writes in the room, this isn't a question, it's just a comment. Uh, they write, all employers should be interested in working with individuals with disabilities. But as he said, uh, link individuals with employment departments at the CMHC at which they are receiving services or link them with their locational vocational rehabilitation. And, and you know, it, it kind of brings up a point that it's only anecdotal at this point, but talking to family, uh, awareness of surprisingly low. You know, we, we did a survey of 30 family provider support group, and only uh, three of them were aware of the services that knowledge. That is, um, and this is about VR services, vocational yeah, rehabilitation? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's shocking. You know, they, but not surprised. You see, yeah. a lot of these things should happen when, when the kids are in a school and they are in a special ed and they should be referred. Everybody should be referred to VR in my and so they know that VR is there and what can they do for the person. Now unfortunately, coming back to the initial argument about the employers, unfortunately there is a great deal of discrimination that's it, in the business world about people with disabilities of all types not only mental health. So there is a long way to go. And this is not only in this community, in this society, this is overall, okay? This is not a unique problem of America. No, I think this is a worldwide problem uh, that people in general have uh, very negative perceptions about disabilities. And unfortunately, uh, in the business sector, they tend to focus more on the limitations rather than the strengths. So part of the challenge for all of us who are in this uh, area of of health and, and disability is to educate uh, our friends, our neighbors, the people themselves who should become very strong advocates about the importance of educating people about the importance of the strengths of the individuals, not the deficits, but the strengths. What can we do? What can they do? Not the op- No, I'll ask my own question, and that is, as someone, you know, who wants to support someone in, in start, how do you know they're prepared to do it? How do you provide the help that they need? This is very important. Um, I have heard in the past people talk about the importance of understanding and finding a need. That's why I want to encourage people to read about 
social entrepreneurship and this business social business side because we often don't term not don't think about the needs of the people that we know or the people that we love in terms of business solutions. And so I was inspired by the Janus book when I first read it, when I started understanding that there are so many more opportunities and so many more possibilities to think about this and how to start different business. I would like to call your attention to the Ikigai, no, Ikigai model, which is the Japanese for a reason for being. I believe you, David, posted that document in the, in the site. And this yes. has a reference to the different elements that you should consider about yourself as a person and then apply that to your business idea. You have to understand what are you good at, what you love, what the world needs from you, and what can you pay, be paid for. Because, of course, this is not a freebie. But ideally, this is a way for you to sustain yourself. Now, keep in mind that the social model of businesses and the small businesses that are focused on social issues are not the same concept as regular for-profit businesses. The, the businesses that I'm talking about are businesses that are not necessarily created to, for you to become rich, are created for individuals to fulfill their purpose, to be occupied, and to make enough of a living to find satisfaction. In what you have a reason to wake up every morning, something to look forward to do every day. Sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily about the money, but it's about what you do, what you love, your passion, your commitment, your porto. This is a very interesting distinction. This is not necessarily about making money, okay? This is about making a difference in somebody who could be your friends, your neighbors, the people in your community, regardless, if you find that niche and you can make even a small living out of that, you fulfill your purpose. It's a great opportunity for a lot of people. Does this relate also to the, the building of our Correct. And there is a lot of details on that about some of the elements that people need to follow. For instance, the, the, the people need to review their vision and their mission. Um, and in the case of the social businesses, it's socially established the risk uh, and the willingness of the organization that you create to do this, the mission outcome of the business, the idea generation, refinement of the idea, incubation meaning a little pilot where you just try it out, even before you get real money. Uh, and then after you have tried this, um, you know, then you develop the actual business plan and put everything together and you take it to full implementation. So this information is in this article and is very helpful. Let me give you an example. Coming back to the yoga, a lot of people, you know, could benefit from having yoga uh, because it helps deal with anxiety, you know, with nervousness, whatever. Uh, if you get trained as a yoga instructor, you could organize a small groups. People can pay you a box, ten bucks five bucks, you know, uh, and it gets you going. And the more you do it, the more people are going to enjoy it, and so forth, it becomes a way for you to start something small. In your neighbor, people need to lawn, mow the lawns, correct? Who is doing that right now? Is there a possibility that you could do start doing it for your neighbors and get charged 10 bucks for doing that, 20 bucks? I don't know. You have to find what is it that people need. Who is giving the food for the senior citizens? Who is getting transportation for people in wheelchairs? 
Do you have a, a way of getting a car if you are in a rural area, for instance, that could provide that service? Could you become an Uber driver, etc.? So, you know, there are so many things. I was talking to some kids with, uh, uh, that are connected here with our department, and I'm trying to get them to create a small business uh, just with friendship uh, to other kids with disabilities, offering them social engagement. Some families might be willing to allow their kids to, to go out and pay whoever is taking them out, you know, for 10 bucks to, to take them bowling or, you know, fishing or whatever it is that you can find to do that is fun because some of, sometimes some of these kids are very isolated. They don't go out. They don't have friends. So if you can create a business, if someone can create a business where those friendships are built, see? So you just have to think about what are needs out there? What are things that you have experienced that you wish somebody would help you? And perhaps you can think about making that, turning that into a small business. Gail asked something related, and she asked, what businesses have you helped other people start? Yes, so we have quite a few. Um, we have several artists that have written books, um, do art, and what, how they become a business is uh, we help them purchase a printing press, uh, a heat press, so you can get uh, t-shirts, you can get hats, you can get, you know, you know cups like this uh, with the art of the artist, you know, and, you know, sell this mug for five bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is. So we did a lot of that. Um, we also have uh, some kids that started in an office down the street that is uh, an, an agency from VR here in the state of Illinois, and they have a, a computerized embroidery machine. So the kids were learning how to embroider and it's computer, so you don't need to order and put in the threads and the, and, and the pieces together. It's very straightforward to learn the computer structure and the computer system, and then the machine does the work. Um, so those are, are some of the things. There were graph artists that were doing um, posters for sale. Uh, there was one kid that wrote a book, and and uh, he will be selling his book of poems. Uh, there are several kids that are doing things, you know, you know, art, crafts, small crafts, and those kinds of things. Um, so those are, uh, there was one girl that was selling doggy clothes, and she was uh, contracting with people the name of the doggy and selling the piece, you know. I don't know if she tried for cats, but at least I don't think that cats will allow them to put any clothes on them. But the doggies, yes, she was trying that. Uh, so there were several, several of those initially. Uh, there was one guy that was um, starting a business, uh, killing bugs, the mattresses and houses. Um, and no, well, I mentioned the two restaurants. Um, there was one guy that was dealing with supplies for his friends. Uh, he was a, a, in a wheelchair and he was going around selling supplies like bags and those kinds of things. Uh, for people in wheelchairs and that needed uh, supplies, makers. So different, different ideas. Some of them uh, take very little capital to start. There were several who also, uh, we helped them purchase computers, and they were doing networking and doing something. There were a, a couple of kids that were um, developing a very funny uh, critique of things in the Internet, and they were trying to develop followers. Uh, on their website. Gail has a, a follow-up question. Are they able to make a living? Most jobs in the arts do not pay enough to support them. Correct. And that's true. Now, the question depends how good you are and how successful you become. The important thing is to start. How far are you going to go? 
Nobody knows. I cannot predict. Nobody. But you see, as as I was making that point before, uh, the real thing is not necessarily making money. It's getting busy, having a purpose, and giving it a shot. And if you succeed and get more money, good for you. But if you don't, at least you are you are doing something that you enjoy, uh, and you know you are making some money, uh, and that helps. I know that for people with disabilities, there are issues about. Uh, how much money you can get, you can make before you start losing some of your benefits. The good news is, and this is very important that the providers explain this to the to the individuals, is that the rehabilitation, uh, no, the Social Security Administration has made adjustments in their policies to allow people to make income, and it's gradual. And so it's not that you make one dollar and you lose your benefits. No, that's gone. That that was never true. But there is a lot of myth out there about oh, I cannot work because I'm going to lose my insurance. I'm going to lose everything. That's not true. There, in reality, there is a great need for education of the people about how people can still make money and some money. And then there are thresholds that they need to meet in order to when some of the benefits start being diminished. But you know, uh, that is another uh, important aspect to consider, which the people need to understand that they are not going to lose their benefits if they start giving it a shot to entrepreneurship. She said, and Miguel says, economic uh, self-sufficiency is very important to people uh, becoming independent. Correct, correct. And again, no one can guarantee how successful any business is going to be. But you have to encourage people to give it a shot. And if they, you know, make a lot of money, nice. If they don't, it's not bad. That's not a thing. You know, in, in your experience, Fabrizio, what's the difference between those who succeed and those who fail, even if just anecdotal? I think that there are a number of elements. Persistence is one. Uh, the goodness of the idea. Having a good idea makes a difference. Um, having good support. Having a mentor, for instance. That's very helpful. So it's better if the person is connected with someone. And sometimes it could be a family member. For instance, one of my inspirations was a family member who I met years ago who helped her son start a recycling business for phones and computers. And they have, um, you know, cans, like a garbage can, but this is named, you know, with their company and so forth. And people just collect all the stuff in a number of places in the communities here in Chicago, in the north side area. And this kid, you know, which is no longer a kid anymore, but this business has employed, you know, three, four other people, and is doing very well. And he was with the support of that mother. And she helped the kid start the business, and they sell and send these used uh, funds and stuff overseas, actually, because there is always a market. Somebody is willing to pay a few bucks for somebody's fund that they are no longer using. So that was a, a, an inspiration to me, and 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 uh, the success that that this uh, business was having um, was impressive. And I said, "Wow, if these people can do it, you know, it's like wow, you know." And this was a kid with very uh, limited um, mobility. He was a, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair with with very limited capacity for movement. And yet, he was running a successful business uh, here. Uh, here's an interesting one. Howard asks, uh, says, I want to start an incubator to help others start businesses. And he wants your help or, or really advice as to how one would go about that. That's a great idea. 
Um, I encourage you to talk to your vocational rehabilitation agency to see if they will be he uh, willing to help you. Um, if you are a person with a disability, you might qualify for money from them. If you are not, you might be able to convince them to allow you to use some of their space to start the incubator, and perhaps they might, their, the, the agency themselves might be willing to help you with investment. I was very lucky here in Chicago a few years back uh, when we got the grant from the Department of Labor. I approached a friend who was the director of a school for very severe kids with physical disabilities, and she was always afraid that they were going to close her office because, you know, the perception was that why are these kids segregated, they should be integrated, and all that. And when we talk about the incubator idea, she said, oh, my God, this is going to help me uh, transform myself. And she did, literally. She made a proposal to her bosses in VR in the state, and they recognized that it was a good way of transforming this institution. And the institution became an incubator. So VR sometimes is interested and willing to su support. They spend more than a million bucks in providing the, the support staff, the training, and the resources for the incubator to function. Uh, so there are ways to, to, to pursue this. That doesn't mean that you cannot start in your own house. I have a friend who started a very important school for children with disabilities in her garage in Lima, Peru. And now she runs an institution that serves more than 450 children a year with millions of dollars and, you know, I don't know how many staff, maybe 100. So you never know how far you are going to go with these ideas. You may be able and capable of starting your, your incubator in your living room. Really, it doesn't take much. It just takes a little bit of time and initiative and then resources to connect the, the potential entrepreneurs with vocational rehabilitation services and so forth. Your job will be to help them develop the business plan so when they apply to VR, they will be more qualified for getting the services. Now that I mentioned this, I want to indicate something that is very important. Many vocational rehabilitation counselors are great and they really care for the people that they are trying to help. However, there are some that find that these employment and self-employment initiatives are too demanding for them. It's going to take too much time if the person doesn't have external help. So they are not very eager to encourage their clients to pursue this idea. So you will not be surprised that people who are in VR never hear that self-employment is an option for them. So what I'm saying is one way to help people qualify for vocational rehabilitation services on self-employment is to help them develop the business plan. Because if the person comes with the business plan developed, the VR counselor is much more, far more willing to help and to become engaged and to fund it than if you don't. You see? So an incubator that can help these individuals develop their business plan is a great idea. Because then those proposals become much more compatible competitive and more likely to be funded. Uh, Rick kind of asked a related question. What traps do you see people fall into when starting a business? Uh, for example, the work from home scams that prey on desperate Yes. Uh, you have to be very careful because there are out there a lot of people that will try to scam you. If they want 
you to pay that money. That's a trap. Uh, so, in these cases, you are the one who are starting this thing. Nobody else. This is your idea, okay? So you are in control as a person. This is what you are trying to do. So you are not paying anybody else. That's important. Now, I remember somebody years ago telling me that just pursuing a hobby uh, is not good enough. Well, sometimes, sometimes it is not. For instance, one of the kids um, from the incubator started selling cakes. He was working with his mother. The mother was a great cook. And between them, they were selling this cake. Uh, it's a hobby. Yeah. Can that becomes a business? I think so. Now, how many cakes does it take? I don't know. You know, 10 a day? That's 100 bucks if you sell your cake for 10 bucks. I don't know. It depends on your market. It depends on who do you identify. So cooking, for instance, different kinds of cooking things are very good. Um, music is another one, if you are good at music. For instance, we have a couple of kids that started, especially one, um, a DJ. And we help them purchase the quiz parties. They use just DJs, in, in, you know, for teenagers. Uh, I don't know anything about it. But, you know, hey, they started their business. They will take the amplifiers and the music and they will, the equipment, and they will start a business just being DJs uh, for parties for teenagers. So it all depends on 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 what you want to do. But the important thing about the traps is when you are in charge and it's your idea and you are the one that is controlling what happens, then you are, you know, you are not going to be fall, falling on a trap. The problem is responding to those calls in, of, oh, yeah, make $10,000 a month doing this, but you have to give me 1000 or 1500 or whatever it is. That's a trap. Um, <clears throat> that, that is so true. You know, Gail asked, she's been asking questions here. Uh, do you look at the current job market near you when advising people on choosing jobs? I like to tell them to look around themselves because I don't know the experience of the people that I am working with. I, have, I operate at a different level. I don't share their, their living conditions. I don't live in their neighborhoods. So when you look at social entrepreneurs, the idea is to allow the person to look around in their own community look around about themselves, their own needs. Examine the needs of their friends. What are those? Who is meeting those needs? What are needs that are not being met? And then consider those needs as potential business ideas. So, in a way, if you go with the social model of small businesses, uh, it's not about the market, and it's not about you know the overall status of the community. It is about finding a small need for the person to start something, giving it a shot, doing this small pilot, and seeing what happens. And if it works, then develop the formal proposals and go in for funding with the vocational review. Uh, um, we have a question. Uh, this one is submitted in advance from Susan. Uh, and it says, and I'll read the, it's a little longer, I'll read it to you. I was fired from my job yesterday because I was not a good, quote, culture fit within the organization. I was told my work product was solid and not the issue. How can I impose my soft skills in the workplace? Do you know of any place that offers training around interpersonal skills in the workplace? Uh, free or for? I know this problem stems from my PTSD and anxiety, but I do not know what to do about it since I am repeatedly advised not to disclose my disability in the workplace 
since I can do my job and deliver a solid work product ahead of schedule without the need of need for accommodation. Please advise. Thank you. Yeah, this is the tricky one because this is where just having dogma doesn't always work because, oh, never be close. Well, yes and no. Life is all gray. It's not black and white. Let's understand. Sometimes it benefits the person to disclose a specific. So if you have issues that are socially related, you may need to disclose and seek accommodation. And people sometimes might be more supportive if they know about this than if they So, in my opinion, yes, a lot of people will tell you, don't disclose, don't disclose. Well, you know, in some cases, it might be helpful for you, too. especially if you find your employer support. Um, the whole issue of developing interpersonal skills is is not easy for anybody. For any, it takes practice, growing out of your comfort zone, engaging others, and there are not very many opportunities for that for a lot of people. Now there are some places that you can create that are very welcoming, and I don't know your particular situation, but sometimes volunteering is a great way to connect socially with people. Connected with churches or religious organizations is a great way to connect socially with people because they open the door, they hug you. They welcome you, and it allows you to engage, 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 and start practicing those skills. So all that, you have to think about ways where you can maximize your resources and opportunities in order to strengthen yourself. Because that's the, you know, we all, everybody, we all need to improve our, our skills, regardless of who we are. When I grew up, growing up as a, a small kid, I was very shy, extremely shy. And hear me, you know, it's like... I feel, you know, but it took me years to overcome my shyness and to engage and feel confident and all that. Everybody goes through that. We all do. The important thing is, in some cases, it might be convenient for people to disclose. You know, the person in a wheelchair has no no way to hide that. Okay? So, okay, you have a wheelchair, so we need to change the bathroom. We need to accommodate you in the in the desk. You see? Now, in the case of mental health, that's the, the, but there are conditions where uh, where this can help educate the members, your coworkers, about your challenges. And you know, sometimes they, because they like you and they they work, they appreciate what you are doing, they will be willing to. So it's not black and white. Don't go, don't 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 go through life like that because it's all great. Yeah, and James in the room just added that uh, suggested answer for the question disclosure. The individual needs to seek mental health counselor to consult with. You know, go to the company uh, human resources department, get the paper trail on the dismissal process. Uh, within that paper trail will be the social skills that they are lacking. We're running out of time, and this is almost an apropos question to end with. Uh, Catherine says, when is it time to give up on a business idea and move on to something else? Good question. Well, if you are feeling tired doing what you are doing and you are not making any money and you feel that perhaps you need to tinker with it to improve it, try to tinker it. Nothing out there is created in such a way that cannot be changed or transformed. Every idea, you know, even if it's a great idea, could be improved, changed, modified. So we have to be open to change. We have to be willing to change. If you feel that if you tinker with some things or you move on into some other aspect, you know, go for it. Because sometimes you have to follow your guts too, you know? 
there is all this data that we can collect about the income and the clients and all that. And if it doesn't look good, and if you, especially if you don't feel good about it, maybe it's time for you to move on and come up with a better The thing is, don't take it as a failure. We started the conversation earlier. It's not about failing. It's about getting better. You know, if you can do a better, better idea, Go for it. Do you, do you have a, we're, at, we're out of time here. Do you have any last thoughts for people? I think I encourage people to go to the this Ikigai uh, model that is very straightforward. Remember, think about what are you good, what do you love, what the world needs, what can you get paid. You look at this model and you think about these questions and you identify your passion, your mission, your vocation, and your profession. You make it work. There might be some ideas there that could benefit us could be helpful, change the world. Because a good idea for all of us and the challenge that we all face is we need to change the world around us, starting by ourselves. Thank you, thank you uh, Fabrizio, for answering the question today. And, uh, thank you, everyone, for attending. Thank you again, Fabrizio. Uh, and thank we you. look forward to having you join us again. All today. right. Good luck.